My name is Eric Deal. I am a lead pastor at Covenant Life in Hubbard, Ohio. It's just outside of Youngstown, uh, Northeast Ohio. Uh, this is room number 12. Uh, and this class is 10:15 a.m. And it is called Raising Young Men of Honor. Is everybody in the right place? Even if you were here by mistake, you're going to be blessed. I promise you. Not because of me, but the message I'm going to share with you guys today. All right? Let's open in a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the honor and the freedom that we have to worship and serve you. Lord, I pray today that you will open our eyes and our hearts to hear your voice, to be empowered by Holy Spirit, to have one mind, a synergy, to preach the gospel of Christ boldly, before that day of your coming, which is very soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Anybody ever heard of raising men of honor and women of virtue? Raising men of honor and women of virtue is a concept that's been around for 20 plus years. Uh, the gentleman that kind of organized this was a lieutenant colonel in the Special Forces, Chuck Stecker, uh, that is now out of uh, Colorado. Uh, he travels, I'm sorry, I move around quite a bit. And uh, he, uh, he's traveled around, uh, the, uh, stand in the gap, uh, uh, the, 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 um, the men's movement that was uh, big in the 90s that took place in D.C. and that, uh, Chuck Stecker. Uh, this has been something that God has put on his heart. And uh, a couple years ago, 15 years ago, uh, when I was youth pastoring in Florida, we had him come down and he presented this, Raising Men of Honor and Women of Virtue. And I was so empowered by this because the whole concept behind it is the father's blessing and i say the father's blessing to people you may think the father well okay god the father i'm talking about our our earthly father uh and, and there's so much spiritual power to that especially the day and age that we live in so let me just uh talk to you real quick about the importance but i'm going to give you the the, the framework of this and we're going to put some skin on it real quick um the whole purpose of the Father's blessing is to see a, a dynamic, to see a, a worldwide movement of reproducing intergenerational churches. You look at church today when you go there and you, you have, and, and, and I'm kind of in the middle right now. I, I turned 50 last year, so I don't know which side I belong on. But you got the old people and then you got the young people, right? Very, very rarely do you see this. It's us and it's them. It's look at them. I can't believe they can even put their shoes on. And this side looking at them and saying those whippersnappers don't know anything. And we've allowed that sometimes in the church to creep in with that mindset that you do your north of 55 groups and we'll do our youth groups and just stay out of each other's hair and that'll be good. And, and uh, the devils use that to really sow discord. An intergenerational church is one where all generations are valued and are being continually woven into the body and the life of the local church. Look, the church needs youth so it can remain relevant, vibrant, and young. And the youth need the seasoned vets that will lead them. You can't have armies without generals. You don't become a general day one you earn that church needs that and I'm, I'm getting there i know you're like man where's this where's this stuff with the men? 
The generations are not interwined and part of the same body. They just meet together in the same building with some common functions and Sunday morning service or midweek service is usually it. Anything outside of that, we don't do. And where we're missing the point is we need to have the values uh, of, of identity, which is the spiritual, that leads to the blessing, which is the action, which leads to the result is there's acceptance. When somebody feels accepted to something, they're connected. They're going to be involved. They're going to participate. They're going to show up more. Uh, families and churches must take a lead in being able to define, to be uh, able to recognize, and to be able to affirm godly manhood and womanhood. Now, this isn't a political science class, and I'm not. My wife is not here today to give me the. But I'm not going to go off on a rant. But I don't need to say this to anybody in here. You don't have to turn the news on more than five minutes and scratch your head and wonder where are we at. We can't identify male and female anymore. We don't know anything. And this is the world's concept, but it, it cannot, it must not creep into the church. And the reason we're seeing that is sometimes because we don't know, we don't identify, we don't have that piece. Who are we? Now, I get the privilege to speak to our young men once a year at um, the uh, CRC Center. We have what's called the Crucible, the Royal Rangers. We, it's specifically identified as uh, raising men of honor. We have a, a, a weekend where we, that's year one. Year two is raising a modern day knight. Year three is a servant's heart. And they turn around and serve the young kids coming back in. It's not something for nothing. It costs you something. It's a decision. It's a choice. We need to put that identity back into our churches for our young people. You know, one out of every two of our young men in our churches, and the statistics says even higher than that. I don't know how you get more, you know, percentage of people, <laughs> a half of a person. But one out of every two of our young men in our church come from a fatherless or broken home. When you're raised hard at the age of 13 to take care of your siblings... You don't see your mom because she's busting her tail working three, four, five jobs to make ends meet so you can have a meal on the table. We have 13-year-old young men that never had a father's blessing trying to raise their family. Statistically speaking, they're going to go out by the age of 15 and start producing their own family. Not even having a concept of what a father's blessing was. I'll tell you that some of the finest young men that became some of the finest young fathers that I know today still came from a fatherless home because of the father's blessing. They found their identity. They believed and knew who they were, why they were created, and the purpose they had. So this is the purpose. And it also trickles over into our young ladies. It's called men of honor and women of virtue. If we can start teaching these generations to believe that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, they're not a mistake, they're not a byproduct, they're not lost, they're not hopeless, but they have somebody that will believe in them. Why not the church? They're not getting it from school. I don't know where your school districts are at. I come out of Northeast Ohio, Youngstown, Warren area. It's tough. It's tough. They go to school to get a meal. That's it. The church has to step up and start showing them their identity. And that can't happen because you can't give what you don't have. You can't lead where you haven't been, right? 
It's a simple concept, and we all know that. Families and church got to take the lead. We got to help define, and there's got to be these defining moments um, for our young people to have acceptance. Somebody to say, hey, man, I believe in you. They're not going to run to you right off the bat and say, oh, man, okay, here, I'm going to tell you all my story. It takes a year for a teenager, it's a, they say it takes a year for them to trust an adult. To even say, I feel like I can trust you and open up to you. Because in their mindset already, you don't want to hear my story. So I'm not even going to bother telling you because you're going to walk out on me, you're going to quit on me, or you're going to say I'm a failure, I'm a screw up already. So here's the importance of raising men of honor uh, and specifically also uh, women of virtue. Um, adulthood is confusing. Right? Adulthood is confusing. I got four kids. I got uh, a son that graduated full honors from Bowling Green State University, was all-American swimmer, and he's in Charlotte, North Carolina right now. I got a daughter that's finishing her freshman year at Southeastern University in Lakeland. I got a 16-year-old daughter, Lord help me. She just turned 16. And I got a 14-year-old son that's got the mind of an engineer and I can't even keep up with him. And every single day, I'm scratching my head saying, I don't want to be an adult anymore. <laughs> what, did, what did I do? Constantly, there's moments that I'm going back and I'm looking and I'm praying and I'm seeking and I'm asking God, help me, show me. And you know what? It's okay to say, I don't know. But who do you have that you go to that's your father figure or your mother figure that mentors into you? It's okay to ask for help. Adulthood is confusing. Um, according to the world, age and action determine adulthood. Oh, when you're 18, or oh, when you're 21, when you, know, you, when you can get your driver's license, or you can vote, or you can join the military, or you can drink. I'm going to read you a quote right here. It's going to blow your mind. It says this, that youth today love luxury. They have bad manners. They have contempt for authority. They have no respect for older people. They talk nonsense when they shouldn't work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents. They talk too much in company. They guzzle their food. They lay their legs on the table. And they tyrannize their elders. You know who said that? Socrates, 500 BC. It doesn't matter when it was. It's always been an issue. The bottom root of all this is Satan. He's got three Ds. He comes to distort, he comes to deceive, and he comes to destroy. There's no better way he can do that than attack the family, attack, attack the family values. Over half the issues we experience crime-related in our communities today are from fatherless homes. Now, if everybody had a father in their home, I'm not saying that that could change the statistic, but I... I'll go on a limb and say, I bet you it would make a big dent in it, though. I bet it would make a big dent because there's hope in that. Um, think about the distortion that adulthood is given by society today. You ever go to the carnivals and they got those funky mirrors and you stand in front of them and you're like, whoa, you know, you look like an egg with two sticks. <laughs> That's kind of the distortion that the world has put on adulthood today. And uh, it, it, we have to understand that Satan has no creative powers. But he's come to distort, he's come to, to deceive and destroy. You know, we use this term adolescence. You know, you're going through adolescence. And I want to encourage you, that term adolescence is a lie. I researched adolescence. 
One of my uh, degrees is in abnormal psych, uh, working with teenagers and working with the, the, the troubled students. It's a psychology term that was defined and used in the early 1900s, and it meant a period between puberty and adulthood marked by confusion and rebellion. Anybody here believe in the power of the spoken word? You speak that over your young people when we call them adolescents. I don't want to speak that. God drilled that into me and convicted me years ago. Stop speaking that over them. Yes, there's where am I, what am I going through, what's going on, but we don't have to speak confusion and fear and doubt and calamity over them when we say that. God has a plan. God defines adulthood when He changes our bodies and He gives us the capability to procreate. In the days of the Bible, you were recognized as a man or a woman when you could procreate. 12, 13, 14 years old, 15 years old. You know, you didn't just keep going to school and wait until you got out of school to find out what you wanted to do with yourself. You were contributing under a, a, um, a mentorship under people in your community. You were already working with your city. You were working with people. You were working for your dad. You were helping do something. Because something that costs you nothing means nothing to you. And you tend to devalue that even quicker. Um, you know, when people, when a student will graduate from high school, they kind of feel sometimes like they've graduated from church also. Okay, George Barna, if you know George Barna, he's a guru statistician. And George Barna said that between 70 to 90% of our youth, when they graduate from our high schools that go to our church, they leave church and they will not come back to church until after they have their family. I've asked young couples that my wife and I have sat across the desk and, and counseled with and they would say, you know, why, why now? We don't want them to make the same mistakes we made. Well, why did you wait till now? How can we mend that? Because it's not just something you throw pixie dust on and it's going to fix itself and your kids aren't going to do the same things. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We have to give hope to the hopeless. Um, so what we do in this is it's, it's called a rite of passage. It's a biblical thing that happens. And um, I just want to ask you some questions. Anybody remember when you got your driver's license? So my 16-year-old daughter, she's, we're going through this process now. And I'm really questioning if I want to go through this process now. <laughs> what about your high school graduation or your college graduation or your wedding day? Um, there are rites of passages happening all the time. Now, I grew up outside of Youngstown. I grew up in a town called Warren, Ohio. And uh, it used to be a great place to live. But as I got older and the, and the auto industries and the steel mills left and all that different stuff, it became kind of rough. And, and, uh, and there's rites of passages that I saw happen there but happen all over in a lot of our inner cities, in our gangs. You know, young men and young ladies will take beatdowns as an initiation to get into a gang because it's a rite of passage. But it's a, it's a badge for them to say, I took the beatdown to be a part of this gang because now I have acceptance. Now I have community. Now I have family. They're looking for that fatherhood or that motherhood, that mentorship to say, I'll be your mom, I'll be your dad. You think about in the Native Americans in the days um, uh, the Sioux warrior would take their, their young men out around the age of 12 and they would take them out and they would go through testing. 
and it was rigorous. In the final phase of that testing, they would take them out uh, blindfolded, and they would march them all over the woods and all over the land, and they would take them to a place where they had no idea where they were at, and they would sit them on a tree stump, blindfolded, and they would have to sit there the entire night until sunrise would come up and the, the father or the warrior would come out and release them. But you know during this time that young person that was sitting out there blindfolded, you ever been in the woods at night? You know, chipmunks sound like an 800 pound bear, right? But never at any point was that young Indian alone. His father would sit just within eyesight of him awake the whole night watching that nothing would fall upon him that would cause him harm. You see that? What's going on? So these rites of passages that we have, we, we tend to look at our young people and they, they tend to start identifying themselves as adults because they, they got their driver's license or they, they had sex or whatever it is. They think, well, I must be an adult now. So we have to have this clear identity in two areas and that's in the church and that's in the individual The church is the bride of Christ. That's what we're called. We're the only institution that I know of that's charged with one thing, and that's to make Jesus famous. Families are the core of the church. You don't have families in a church. You don't have church. You've got a social gathering. Church needs to take the lead in defining and affirming adulthood for our young people because if they don't get it there, I promise you they're not getting what you want from school. I'm not blasting our schools, but I, 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 work with, I work with them quite a bit. God's plan is for an intergenerational church and an intergenerational values every member of the church, no matter what their ages are. It finds a way to weave them together. Um, we may think that we're intergenerational, but a lot of us are just multi-generational. You don't have intergenerational until you mix it up. I love the barbecue. I'm from Northeast Ohio. I went to school in Missouri. The Southern boys showed me how to do it. My first church was in Virginia. I learned how to smoke pork butt. And it became a, a hobby of mine to barbecue all the time. And I'll tell you what right now, there's a lot of different ways you can do barbecue. But if you know what you're doing, you build a good bark. And I can tell you this, when you build your spice rub for that, you don't just put salt in it. You don't just put pepper in it. Oh, there's a blend, a floral bouquet of herbs that you put in that to build your profile that you want somebody to taste when they bite into that. We need all these seasonings in our church. Red, brown, yellow, black, white, young, old, I don't care. The Bible says we need to come together because our young people are watching. They may... We may think they're not listening, but I promise you they are. They're listening and they're watching. So uh, intergenerational church is one that has clear pathways for every genera generation. We have acceptance. We lead them into participation, which leads them into ministry, which leads them into leadership. We need to be building our future today. Adolf Hitler once said, you give me your youth and I'll rule the world. He knew that. He knew that. If he knew that, we need to know that and we need to practice that. 
I, I get frustrated. I served in youth ministry for 23 years, and people would say, oh, that's so nice to see that youth group there and that there and that. That's, that's the church of tomorrow. And I said, no, 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 no. That's today. You can't wait for tomorrow because the devil's waiting for them now when they walk out. we got to get that blessing. So here's how it goes. I'm not here to preach. Acceptance, a person feels welcomed. Participation, a person feels free to participate. Ministry, a person has the legitimate avenue to use their gifts, and we all have gifts. And leadership is a person knows how to enter into the leadership development and continue the process all over again for the next generation. So when we look to integrate our young people, we're not losing a child. We're, great, we're gaining an adult. We're gaining an adult. We need them in our church. We're one generation from being extinct. That's a scary thought. There are hundreds and even thousands of churches, they say, every year that close their doors permanently across our nation. That boggles my mind. I get to serve in one of the greatest networks that's on the planet that says we are going to do the opposite. We're going to plant. We're going to increase. We're going to grow. But that's not going to happen until we know what we have and can give that to our young people because they're going to have to come alongside us and not behind us to lead that. There's groups of people they're going to reach that we can't. I'd like to think I'm cool. I like to think I'm hip. I like to think I'm up with it, but all I need to do is get one text from my son or daughter, and I have no idea what they're talking about because it's all this different stuff. I don't know, but they do. Dad, let me lead this. Let me do this with our youth. I'll communicate. I'll outreach. I'll, I'll connect with them. i got to let them do that. That doesn't mean I unplug from them. I keep speaking into them, but I connect with them. Um, we're not losing a child, you're gaining an adult, and we've got to help them become mature by being submitted to you, your house, and to the ministry that's going there. Well, I, I don't want them to hate church or hate home, or I don't, I got news for you, if they're not in church, they already hate it. Yeah. Our young people need boundaries. I'll tell you something, this is, a, this is a statistic, and it's true fact. They like boundaries. They need that. You pick a young person that doesn't have a boundary, man, and they're all over the place because they want a boundary. Where do I belong? Yeah. we got to lead with that way. We, we, we look at this uh, adult attitudes, but remember, they're beginners. We're, uh, just because they're an adult doesn't mean they're mature. Anybody know any immature adults? <laughs> Some of the wisest young uh, adults that I know are younger we walk with them. It's a character-building process. Just because we call you adult doesn't mean we expect you to pay the bills and do all this different stuff overnight. We are constantly building maturity and character. And that's what this rite of passage is all about. We give them legitimate responsibilities. My, my two that are left at home with us right now, I got about three more years, and it's just my wife and I. I may even kick the cat and dog out. <laughs> I give them legitimate responsibilities that if they don't get done, they're, they're, um, things will suffer because of that because it's a serious responsibility. Helping with laundry or helping with cooking, I give them, I show them, I walk with them. And the, and the other things they got to do, cutting grass and that, I, I show them, I help, I explain, but I, if they don't do it, it doesn't get done and things start to suffer because of that. They have ownership. They may not like it all the time, but they have the ownership in it. Respect them for who they are in the sight of God. 
Don't discipline them as a child, but talk to them as an adult. And we have to be careful that we don't have double standards. I'll sit across the table with dads and they'll say, I don't understand why my son's messing around drinking alcohol. (laughs) Doing this, doing that. I caught him on porn the other day. And I'll say to the young man, where did you get that from? They watch. They don't look like they're paying attention, but they watch. You know, we need to raise our young men to be men of honor and respect because I know if they have honor and respect, our young ladies are going to demand princesses and not pigs. Our young ladies won't feel like they got to prostitute themselves to the world standards because they're holding out for a king. I've seen it all the time. If our young men will start acting like the young men of God, the young ladies are going to fall and say, that's what I want. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. So how do you know that God's your father? How do you know who you are? Knowing identity is understanding one simple thing. It's the sonship. And the key to being in the sonship, S-O-N-S-H-I-P, is the blessing. Uh, David Wilkerson shared a story about his son that come in out of his prayer of Jabez devotional. One night his son come in and said, Dad, I want your blessing. He said, well, I bless you, son. He didn't get it and it didn't register to him until his son says, no, I want you to speak blessing over me. This is a biblical concept. And what's not commonly realized in the church today because we've lost that trying to keep up with smoke and mirrors, we've got to take our platforms and turn them back into altars. Amen. Our young people want to come to that. And they will. They're hungry. They're looking to eat. We have to give them that. But what we don't realize is the power that the Hebrew people believed that the blessing carried. The belief was that a verbal blessing imparted actual power for living. And for the Hebrew people, life was lived out of the soul. The blessing or the baraka added power to your soul. A blessing could change the course of a person's life. It was more than a best wishes type of speech. And the Hebrews believed that the real power was released from the father to son blessing. So the blessing of children and others is significant and it's a reflection of God's blessing. God blessed his own son. When he was standing in the river, he sent a dove. He made it evident to the world that this is my son and I'm well pleased. So the blessing of our children becomes a moment in which we agree with God about the future. Isaac blessed Jacob. Think about the blessing of Joseph and his his sons. Jesus and the Father. But here's the downside of this. The lack of a blessing is a curse. This can be demonstrated by the serious condition people find themselves in when they lack blessing. We have no direction. We have no spoken word. We have no mantle. We have nothing that's been given to us. A legacy that's left. And it's tough. Without blessing, we are at risk of remaining in an emotional slavery. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. 
Parents remain in bondage and children will remain in bondage without the Father's blessing. Blessing is the only way to fill that God-shaped hole that's in our young people and even in us. I remind you that you can't give what you have not received. It cannot be replaced by any substitute. There's nothing the world has tried. I was watching the news last night before I went to bed and, and, and they were doing an interview with the spring breakers down in Florida. And I'm thinking, man, these, these young people, man, they think that they got it all together. They think it's cool. They're living for the moment. And I guarantee you, probably 99.99% of them are acting like that because they don't have a father's blessing. Young men have never been challenged and told that you are a warrior. You defend the village. Our young ladies probably have never had the opportunity to be told that you are a princess, a queen in training. Expect and demand more from your relationship with your boyfriend. Once received, though, the blessing can never be taken away. It's a foundation to the core of every person's identity. It is literally a spiritual awakening that happens. So as the foundation is corrected, it will correct the rest of the building. But a building that's been built on a faulty foundation will crumble and fall. It'll cost you more than it's worth. Fix the foundation. I, I want to empower you today to... Bless your young people. Start in your home. Carry it over into your church. So now that I kind of set this up for you, I've established this real quick. The importance of the blessing. What is it? What is the blessing? How do you do the blessing? Uh, I'll, 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 I'll just say this real quick. Here's how, here's how it works. Last uh, two weekends ago, we had about 50, 60 young men and their fathers or spiritual fathers come to the crucible down at the at training center discipleship through program through our rural rangers ministry don't throw it out men you don't know ask somebody it's a viable program the greatest young men's discipleship mentoring program in the world today they will come we will speak like I'm speaking to you. I'll speak to the fathers, but I get a little more passionate about it. Our young men, we give them assignments. They have things that they do. They work together as a team. They're not allowed to talk. A group of young men not allowed to talk. They have assignments that they're doing, that they're working on. The father's blessing begins with a meaningful touch. You ever notice this today? Maybe it's just me. I'm not a huggy person, but I'm not afraid to throw a side hug when I see somebody that needs it. Go up to a young person today and try to give them a hug. They pull off you. Why? Because they don't trust anybody. They've never been hugged. They've never been loved. They've never been told. They'll give you some knuckles, maybe. A handshake, if you can do it quick enough and know what they're doing. My kids throw these handshakes on me. I'm like, dude, just shake my hand. I don't know all that stuff. It's a meaningful touch. We'll have the fathers will come up and they'll kneel. We have our veterans of the faith 
our seasoned veterans, uh, the dads that have been blessed, they will stand over them and they'll put a hand on their head, on their shoulder. And they give a spoken message. I believe in you. I speak against any lie or curse that's been assigned over you. And I speak the favor and blessing of God's love over you. That the dreams and visions Holy Spirit is putting you will come to life and come to life with fire. It's a spoken message. We put a high attached value. You know somebody personally and you know that this dream and desire they have, speak that over them. I see you being the best, whatever it is. We're speaking that meaningful value to them, that future. And we make that active commitment. So we bless the dads so then later through the evening and into the next day, they're doing all these different activities that's teaching them and and working with uh, walking rightfully into manhood. We call them out of darkness into light out of their childish ways into adulthood. That's, That's what it is. So now the dads have been blessed. The father figures have been blessed. They, the final ceremony, we have this prayer tunnel. And the, and, the men, and, the, and the young men that have been through the program will stand there with their hands raised speaking blessing. The young men will be called out from the back by their dad or spiritual father. We'll call them out. Johnny, this is your father speaking. I'm calling you out of darkness into light, out of your childish ways into adulthood. They will come down the aisle as the men are praying blessing over them. And as they come down the aisle, they present themselves to their father. They kneel. The father puts his hand on them, speaks a word, speaks a blessing, speaks favor over them, even prophesies over them. We had a father and a young, uh, his young man, his young son with him uh, this past, two weeks ago, and, and the dad couldn't even finish getting the words out of his mouth. He was emotional, just crying, snot flying everywhere. He said, this is the most powerful thing I've ever experienced in my life. I said, this is just the beginning. Because now you have a young man in your house. And you've got to mentor him through this process so that he will do the same for his. They stand up. They hug him. You put a physical attachment. Don't tell somebody you're praying for him if you're not praying for him. Don't tell somebody I'll help you if you'll never answer a text. You attach yourself to a young person or they attach themselves to you for mentorship, mentor them. You don't know, ask. It's okay to not have all the answers. Google it. (laughs) Ask your pastor. They stand up and we give them a physical attachment. They have um, those victory coins that you see the military will give out. They make these victory coins and they are phenomenal. The dad will take that coin, put it in his son's hand. You ought to see their eyes light up like what? Now that young man has that attachment every day. We encourage him, put it in your pocket when you're going to school. When you're doubting, when you're fearing, when the devil's lying, when people are coming against you, reach in your pocket, pull that coin out and look at it. And remember, you're a mighty man of God. Now you're part of the brotherhood. Then they go from there. They present themselves to uh, Harry Hunt, who um, is our Royal Ranger Network leader. But in our churches, when we've done this with our men and our young ladies, when they come down, they present themselves to the pastor of the church. And then we have established saints, an older lady in the church and an older gentleman in the church that they will go to and they'll present themselves to them and, and, they, and they speak a word over them. And then they take a, a, a piece of paper and they go around and they find 10 adults in the church that will sign that, that will promise them that I will be praying for you for this next season, uh, next year. I will be praying with you every single day. 
And then we don't just walk back and say, okay, now it's done. Now the process begins. Time to put your money where your mouth is. If I call you out as a young person and call you into adulthood, then I can't treat him like a kid and say, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Get him involved. Ushering, greeting, parking, not the cars, but you know. <laughs> Holding the doors, whatever you can do, get them involved and get their ownership now so they recognize their value in the church and as a young man. And your ladies, the same thing. As a young lady, get them involved. They want to play on a worship team. Get them in there, man. Get them now because the world wants them. It's, uh, it's not a hard thing. But it's a decision. It's a decision to say this is the path, this is the direction that we're going to take. And it, it, it can be messy at times. You're dealing with people that are hurt. You're dealing with people that don't trust. You're dealing with people that said, how can I give a father's blessing to my kid? I never had an old man around to help me out. Today we break that curse. Would you agree? I want that opportunity to do that. Now, we have a lot of people in the room and to take the time to go over every single one of you individually and and to speak that blessing. They might get mad at me because they need the room next. But I want to encourage you with this one thing. Our church doors would not be closing at the alarming rate that they are if we would invest in raising young men of honor and women of virtue today. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. It's not a miracle working cure, but it's pretty close. Invest, invest, invest. But you can't give what you don't have. Let me ask this question before I open it to you. Who in here could say I have my Father's blessing the way you just described it? See? Multiply. Be a spiritual father to somebody. I want to speak that blessing over you before you leave this morning. But before we go to that part, I want to uh, allow for opportunity. Now they said, allow for opportunity. Let people ask questions. How do you do it? Whatever it is you have. Feel free to ask questions at this moment. If you have a question, just slip your hand up and I'll I'll try my best about the Father's blessing. It's not just about raising young men, but it's also raising young women. Men of honor, women of virtue. Any questions? Silence is okay for me. I know it's a lot to digest. You might not have walked in here thinking, wow, We can't give what we don't have. I will tell you over the last 20 years that I've been doing this, and uh, yearly we do it. I I get choked up every time. Not just when I've spoke this blessing over my own kids. That's hard. But watching families come together and realize this isn't so bad. Watching churches become blessed because they're walking in the Father's blessing, they can't bless people fast enough. 
to have a young man come up to me 15 years later and saying, I'll never forget that rite of passage that we had. And remember, I did not have a dad, so you spoke blessing over me. Yeah, I remember that. Remember when I used to give you grief? Remember when I used to give you headaches? Remember when I used to frustrate you? Yeah, I remember that. I want to thank you. Because when nobody believed in me, you believed in me, and you gave me my identity in Christ, who I am. I'm like, hi, good. How you doing now? I'm a colonel in the Marine Corps. Forward operator, scout sniper. Oh. Yeah, I found my identity. I believed in myself. I knew whose I was and whom I was. And that changed my life forever. And now they're taking their young men and daughters through a father's blessing. Yes, sir. My dad did speak blessing over me a couple days before he passed away. And, but it wasn't through this, through this ministry. I, I think he knew. We were standing in my kitchen. My wife is from Erie, and it was Thanksgiving week. We were up from Florida. I was youth pastoring in, in um, west uh, part of Florida on the, on the coast, 80 degrees. I moved back up to Youngstown. But... Um, I was going to my in-laws for Thanksgiving Day, and I, but we stopped at my parents' house. I left my dogs there, and I said, I'll be back to see you later in the weekend. And my dad stood in the kitchen, and I'll never forget it. He said, come here. My dad was blind at this point. Um, he was a Mar fan, which is, if you don't know, it's, they're really tall and all that stuff. But anyways, he said, come here. And I, I come over, and he grabbed me by my neck, put his hand on my head, and said, I speak the Father's blessing over you. He knew. I think he knew something was up. That's old school vet breaking down, telling his son, which he always did, I love you. I'm speaking blessing. Take care of your family. Take care of your kids. Be a man of honor. If anything you have, you have character and you have integrity. And that matters more than any home, car, or money you'll ever save for your kids. So that was, that was my father's blessing. I get the chance to be able to extrapolate on that now, so to say. So my dad, um, he never, you know, just one time when we were growing up, he was a colonel, he made pretty, very general, he's always away working, and he just didn't have the tools, and plus, the only book he didn't know was the Bible. Right. Seeing a, we're seeing an awakening happening again. It's a discipleship program. Girls clubs on our Wednesday nights. So, so what we do, I'm the lead pastor. I don't have to ask permission. I kind of come in and say, we need discipleship. We gave our youth ministry Sunday nights. They have full access to the church and they use everything. Wednesday nights, we, we purpose this discipleship time into our, our men and women. Yes. But we need you. Yeah, you can't give what you don't have. Correct. So do you have a 
to leadership for the youth. And I want to be there for the young men, but I don't always understand. Right. Do you have any advice for mine as a physician? Yes. You're not a man, yes. and you'll never be a man. Yeah. Um, but you're a mother figure to these young people. And you'll be a mother figure to some of them that don't have a mom. It's a spiritual gifting. I can't tell you that because I'm not a woman. But moms have a special place. A mother's heart can never be replaced. A praying mom is a, the devil fears. Those are your areas of your strength to stay in that box. I say I hate that term. Know that role that you are as a woman of God to pray that as a mother of God over them young people. And let the men lead those young men in areas where they need. You look, you, you watch the History Channel, not history, but the Nature Channel and everything else, and you see the older sheep up on the mountaintop. You know they find they're graying a little bit, and they got the big horns and that. And you see the younger sheep. They, every now and then, they, they got to butt heads. They, they're checking themselves, right? And they got to do that sometimes, so they realize they got a bit to go. <laughs> they got a little ways to go. So that would be my encouragement is to allow those areas where there needs to be a father-to-father speech, father-to-son speech thing. Let let your husband do that part. I, I was just wondering, I was wondering too, what she was asking. Uh, what a great opportunity, perhaps, for young men to see a man cherish his wife. Absolutely. And a wife cheer for her husband. Right. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, um, I was just thinking in regards to what you were talking about with the whole writing passage that you guys do. It sounds really, that sounds really great. Um, but how is it that you guys keep up that um, discipleship throughout, like, throughout the year? I'm thinking about um, the young people that we have mm-hmm. in our church and then the older people. Right. And how there really is like not a right. connection at all. Um, so how do you how, how practically do you guys bring those two together like so it's a great question and, and, and how we do that is in our mentorship programs so our, our girls ministries and, and I'm not trying to sound bad here in saying this but like they'll do some lady stuff okay now not all of them because I got girls in our church right now they can shoot they can pitch a tent and strike a fire with no matches they love that but get that mentorship together. If the ladies are doing something, that invite some of your older ladies to say, we need you. My wife just went and got some of our ladies to girls club, uh, girls ministry on Wednesday nights. They were knitting scarves during the winter for some of our shut-ins. They didn't know how to knit. But we got some of our older ladies in the church that knew how to knit. Man, they thought they it was the cat's meow. They were so excited. They were in there talking, and they're, they're doing a Bible study as they're teaching these girls how to knit. Now these girls are knitting machines. <laughs> It's just little little things that this and uh, you know they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care type of deal. The same thing with men. It's intergenerational. Get them involved. What we use in our church is uh, those ministries, our men's ministry and women's ministry. We invite our young men and women to the events. We encourage it, but also in our Wednesday nights, our discipleship program uh, is solely set up on Rangers and Girls Club because it's the, the discipleship. The tools are already there. You don't have to reinvent it. You just got to train the, the men and the women to come in and lead it, and it's the greatest thing. Our church, um, we run 75 young people on a Wednesday night. Our Sunday morning attendance is 100. 
That's a Wednesday night. You've got kids coming to church on Wednesday night. That's their church service. I got grandparents dropping them off the church now to come to the Bible study on Wednesday night because they're waiting to pick up their grandkids. Mix them together. Um, the blessing that you gave that you went through very quickly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, do you have a copy of that that, you can, that I can have? What I can do is if you give me your email. Do you have an email? I don't have a copy with me. It, it is, these are just notes. I can I can write it out nicely for you, or I'll give you my email. You email me and say I want that copy, and I will give you a nice copy that's legible. Okay, so here's my email. It's really difficult. It's Pastor Eric. It's E R I C. Pastor Eric at. Covenant Life Hubbard.org. Covenant Life Hubbard.org. H U B B A R D. Org. If you email me and say, I was in your session, I want a copy of that, I will personally email it back to you. Thank you. One other question. Oh man, that's a whole nother class. That's a whole nother class. So uh, sometimes that's where you have a come to Jesus moment. At a certain age, you know, you're, you're 21, you're 25, you're 30, uh, and you're acting like this. It's time to come out of your childish ways into adulthood and just kind of encourage them with that. Even giving them some assignments or things to do and to serve in to, to, so they see that it's time to grow up. It can be a fine line depending on who the person is. Some people will receive that and some people will just walk away from that. But if there comes a point when it's causing harm to their growth and you feel the Spirit putting that in you to say mentor them, then I would say mentor them. It's their choice to receive it or reject it. Wait, did you have a question? Okay. What's your recommended age for the blessing? How, How do you mean... Okay, so, good question. Write a passage is, is taken from the Hebrew days of the Bible. So when a young person is at the age of procreation, we usually call them out of adulthood, 12, 13 years of age. We'll call them, uh, we, we usually set that as the standard. And your younger people in the, in the thing, when they start seeing that, they're like, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. Till we make it big. We make it big when we do it. Call them out, we make a big thing about it, and then we remind them. We remind them. Uh, since there's a lot of uh, perversion in uh, society these days, you know, promoting transgender mm-hmm. and homosexuality in, in the world, do um, uh, you feel it's important for church leaders, whether pastors or youth leaders, to present uh, what the Bible's view on that is? I think idle hands are the devil's playground. Mm. I think some of the churches are in situations where they're at right now because they forgot to put their spine on in the morning and stand for what the Bible says. In love. Love covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't convict sin. So it has to be done in love. 
But yeah, I think that w we need to address that and not be afraid to to share the biblical worldview. We have to put a biblical worldview on this. I have a thought just to share with the question that you asked in particular. Mm -hmm. um, connecting generations is helping each one see the value in the other. So reminding your seasoned vets that they have value and that whether the kids, whether they call them punk teenagers or whatever the mess may be, um, need what they have, whether the kids will admit it or not. Like, that's one of the things that I, I'm a children's pastor in, in Northern Ohio and getting men involved in Rangers in particular Every man has something of value. Every man is called to be a man of God where they are. They don't have to be a pastor. They don't have to be a missionary. They don't have to be anything but the person that God created them to be. Every woman is the same. They are called to be a believer, a God-loving, Jesus-talking, gospel-sharing person. And they have life experience and gifts and talents. And the kids in your ministries need them. Whether they realize it or not. Because those kids have talents and abilities. And something they're headed towards. Where our, our faith fathers and, and mothers have gone. Whether they've done it right the whole way through or not. They know what they've done and can speak towards the right. So sharing with them that they have value and should contribute and God is wanting them to share what their experiences are, encouraging them to see the value of the, the generation that's following them and needs their input. I was just talking about this with someone on the way down that I'm 36 and my wife and I have a call to missions on our hearts but right now God has us as children's pastors but when we go towards the mission field I was speaking to a missionary, I'm calling her because from her 30 plus years of experience on the mission field and following God in another country with her family, I need that wisdom. So helping our generation right. see the value of each other right. so that they can invest and give. We're, uh, we're winding on time, but if you would permit me, I, just wa I want to speak a blessing over you in this room. And then I would encourage you, if you have any other questions, uh, email me. Um, I, there's a book that I would recommend called Raising Men of Honor, Women of Virtue by Chuck Stecker. Uh, I, I will screenshot a picture of that to give to you to read through that. If you're, this interests you to go more or to say, hey, I want to talk more about doing this at my church. I, you know, how, how do we go about doing it? I'll answer any of those questions. I'll be happy to, to multiply. But uh, just let me, uh, let me speak this blessing if you just bow your head. Father, I speak blessing over every adult in this room right now, every young adult in this room right now. Lord, I come against any lies and any curses that have been spoken over them. I bind them by the blood of the Lamb and I ask that they be cast away. At this moment now, for every adult here we call them out of darkness into light out of childish ways into adulthood we call them blessed and we call them highly favored they are fearfully and wonderfully made by design from the creator's hand 
with a purpose. And Lord, I pray today that they will discover that purpose again, that you will light the fire in their spirit. Lord, I pray that the anointing that is upon them and the blessing, the dreams, the hungers, the desires, the visions you've given them, they will see these come to fruition. Lord, I pray that as they walk out of here, they will carry that blessing from the throne of God to their homes, to their families, to their spouses, to their grandchildren and nieces and nephews, and even into their church. We are the salt and the light. We are blessed and highly favored. We are the head and not the tail. So Lord, I pray today, cause your face to shine down upon your people. Let the blessing of heaven and of the Father fall fresh upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.